0: Spear phishing continues to work, and both allies and adversaries continue to snoop on one another. Utilities work to shore up their defenses, and experts warn them not to over rely on incident response. ISIS may be trying to hire hackers in India. HSBC sustains a denial of service campaign against its online banking services in the United Kingdom. The RSA Innovation Sandbox's 10 finalists are announced. In the US, NIST and the FDA post draft cyber guidelines. An audit suggests that Homeland Security's Einstein is no Einstein. Safe harbor seems farther away, and whatever you do, Facebookers, don't be like Bill. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Friday, January 29th, 2016. Some notes on surveillance of Israeli targets by Foreign Intelligence Services surface at week's end. Israeli officials cite leaks as they say British and American agencies monitored Israeli Air Force communications. Other sources claim Iran targeted Israeli generals in extensive spear phishing campaigns. And more targets than one might expect opened the emails and consequently leaked information. The post-mortem on Ukrainian grid incidents continues to focus on black energy and its distribution through compromised word files. As utilities in the U.S. and elsewhere look to their defenses, control system security experts warn that incident response, a staple of cyber defense in other sectors, is a bit more complicated in the industrial control system world. Dark readings interviews with experts surface two issues. First, availability is a matter of central concern to utilities. Their industrial control systems can't simply be taken offline without extensive, reliable backup. And second, cyber incident responders, including digital forensic experts, tend to be unfamiliar with ICS. As ICS security expert Joe Weiss told the CyberWire recently, securing control systems in all industries is very different from securing business IT systems. FinFisher spyware has shown up in some Australian data centers. Hack Read, for one, points at Indonesia as a likely suspect, that country's presumed motive being revenge for alleged Australian surveillance of Indonesia. Both Australian and Indonesian agencies are reported to be FinFisher customers. Disturbing reports suggest that ISIS has begun recruiting hackers in India, offering monetary incentives to hack for the caliphate. The India Times says that ISIS is willing to pay $10,000 for information stolen from government networks. This seems to be hacking for hire, as opposed to an attempt to build a stable of coders that would give ISIS a credible cyber-offensive capability. But there's certainly the potential for this effort to develop in more troubling directions. Offering money should lend urgency to government's efforts to disrupt ISIS finances. HSBC's online customer banking sites have been disrupted by a significant distributed denial-of-service attack. The attack, remediation of which is in progress as we go to press, comes at an inconvenient time for British banking customers. It's not only messing with end-of-month payroll disbursements, but also with freelancers' ability to meet tax deadlines. Bugsec and Synet, that's... C-Y-N-E-T, not to be confused with the other signet, S-I-N-E-T, report finding a vulnerability in LG Android phones that could be exploited for data theft. The vulnerability lies in Smart Notice, a pre-installed widget that manages a range of notifications and alerts. LG has patched the bug. In other patching news, a Cisco firmware update closes a hole in that company's RV-220W wireless network security firewall devices, and OpenSSL fixes an encryption weakness. Its cryptographic library could, if so instructed, have reused prime numbers. In industry news, Proofpoint, Checkpoint, and Fortinet all posted encouraging numbers this week, so investors are breathing a bit easier about them. Checkpoint says it's evaluating acquisitions, big and small. And the RSA conference announces the 10 finalists for its annual Innovation Sandbox competition. Congratulations to them all. The finalists in alphabetical order, Bastille Networks, Elusive Networks, Menlo Security, Phantom, Prevotee, ProtectWise, Skyport Systems, Vera, and Versa Networks. The Cyberwire will be covering RSA in San Francisco the first week in March, and we're looking forward to seeing the finalists in the sandbox. Turning to emerging standards, the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology is soliciting comment on its draft publication on random number generation, a topic of vital importance to cryptography. And the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has a draft set of guidelines on improving medical device cybersecurity. The FDA would also welcome comment. In policy news, both Indonesia and Malaysia take steps to counter jihadist messaging and direct action. Safe harbor renewal increasingly seems a forlorn hope, as U.S. efforts to accommodate European concerns over privacy find little transatlantic love. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security's well-known Einstein cybersecurity system, more formally known as the National Cybersecurity Protection System, may not, an internal assessment finds, be returning good value on its $6 billion investment. Defense One writes that Einstein, quote, does not scan for 94% of common computer vulnerabilities, but that's not all of its shortcomings, end quote. The audit also found poor performance against advanced persistent threats, coverage for only a small set of vulnerabilities, inadequate information sharing capabilities, and an inability to spot zero days until they're no longer zero. Canadian government watchdogs find that the country's communication security establishment improperly collected Canadian citizens' information, the CSE is said to be moving towards some reduction in its cooperation with the other four of the five I's, Australia, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, and the United States. And finally, if you're a Facebook user, take care before interacting with one of the current memes, Be Like Bill. Be Like Bill posts use a cutesy stick figure generated from the Blah Blah website to give advice about keeping your updates non-obvious and similar social media Emily Postisms. Unfortunately, those who like the winsome stick man may find that an evil William got there first. Scammers are tricking aspiring Bills into entering their Facebook credentials and exploiting them to hijack accounts. So, don't be like Bill. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. I'm joined once again by Joe Kerrigan. He's a senior security engineer at Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. They're one of our academic and research partners. Reverse engineering. Uh, I know this is something that you have a lot of background on. Um, let's just start with the basics. Uh, why reverse engineer something?
1: All right. So I'll give you a, an example from my career. In When I was a young software engineer, People would come to me and say, hey, we have this software package that does a very essential task, but now it's outdated, so we need to update it. So write us a new one. Okay. And make sure it does everything this one does. So I would have to actually sit down and, and figure out what it was and how it worked and then write software that replaced it.
0: So as simple as that, that's as simple as bringing something that's older up to date. Correct. Uh, but in the case of malware, uh, talk, walk me through the process of reverse engineering malware.
1: Right. Well, it's the same. It's the same kind of discipline that applies. Let's say I'm a security company. I've ca- I've captured some malware from the wild. I want to know what it is and what it does. Mm-hmm. So I can put the malware into a sandbox environment and then monitor its behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can also do the same thing with a uh, with a malware that I did with the other with my old software, where I can decompile it and see what it is that it does, and hopefully I can get some source code out of it, provided that the malware actually isn't encrypted with some key.
0: So so. So there are cases where the malware is actually sort of trying to actively defend itself from being reverse engineered. Absolutely. What, yeah. what happens in a case like that?
1: Uh, in a case like that, what, what normally happens when they're successful at reverse engineering it is somehow they get a hold of the key, they find the key, because that key has to exist somewhere for the malware to decrypt its functionality. So now it's a combination effort. So you're monitoring it in its, in its, uh, sandbox environment to see when it accesses the encryption key so it decrypts the part of itself that it needs. So what's the balance
0: between the practical applications of this and, and something that's more pure research?
1: Well, the practical applications are developing software that does what old software did, and it also helps in developing a signature for malware so that you can detect the malware.
0: All right. Joe Kerrigan from Johns Hopkins Information Security Institute, thanks for joining us. My pleasure.